I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. All right, so we broke down the Casperi Kapanen trade in haste. Our immediate reactions are you know, exactly what we were thinking in the moment. So now it's time for some more measured takes because we've had all afternoon to th- think about the Casperi Kapanen deal that sends him back to Pittsburgh uh, and it, it brings back a quality prospect or at least one that the Leafs covet, a first round pick and a couple other warm bodies that may in fact factor in for the Leafs next season. So where do you, where do you want to begin here? What's sort of been top of mind for you since we spoke last, Mike? And, and what are your, what, how, would, how have your thoughts evolved from your initial take to your current take? I just can't believe that they did this. Like, I can't believe they pulled this off. This is crazy. If, Getting a first-round pick for Kasperi Kapanen just boggles my mind. It just seems like that was, you know, we, we've done a lot of Kapanen potential trade talk throughout the regular season. I remember that was one of the first things I wrote about for Yahoo. It was, it was crazy. And even, cons- like, it was all about, oh, could you get, like, a high second-round pick for it? Or could you get, like, a middling prospect in a second? To get not just, like, a good pro- – like, Hollander's a great prospect. Like, he's – I was doing some digging on, like, his um, – I don't know how to put it, like just his cohort and how he's performed like in relation to people in his, his age group and of his birth year. And it's, he's right up there. Um, and especially when it comes to playing against grown men for that entire time. And also just getting a first round pick and not just, not just like a mid twenties to late twenties first round pick from a contender who they don't really care about. It's a, it's the 15th overall pick. Like that's a, that's a very sizable, that's a very sizable pick specifically with the draft stock that's dwindling so much. I can't believe that they made this happen um, in the, in the, manner that they did it's also weird to have meaningful trades happen in the middle of the second round of the playoffs but man they really I don't know if this was if if other teams were offering as much obviously clearly they probably weren't because this is the deal that they went with and Dubas said that he was shopping captain around to six other teams but I mean this is this is a coup for the Leafs absolutely they they sold uh, they sold as high as they possibly could on this guy and in in a in a market where we thought they probably weren't gonna be able to do that so hats off to them this gives them space it gives them options it gives them a great you know uh, you know center center prospect really to that is essentially embodies a lot of the skill qualities or the I guess trait qualities that they need it's just a win across the board I can't believe they made this happen yeah it's hard not to like the return they got for Casperi Kapanen but I think what I like most about the trade is the process here uh, you're right. Normally, we don't see trades being done, you know, when the Stanley Cup playoffs are in full swing. Now, of course, this is a different year where uh, GMs are going to have to sort of step outside of their normal routine because they've already been removed from their normal routine. But the fact that he was shopping him around to not just one team, 
but seven teams and trying to get the best possible return and him coming away encouraged that, yes, the players on this team have value is definitely something that the Leafs can build on this offseason. And I'm not surprised that Kapanen end up in Pittsburgh because, mm -hmm. yes, he talked to seven teams. But what team is the most desperate? What team's general manager went on to the microphone at his press conference and said, there has to be changes? If I'm Kyle Dubas, the first call you were going to make Absolutely. was Jimmy Rutherford and the fact that he was able to get such a quality return for Kasperi Kapanen from the Penguins isn't really surpri surprising. But I love the proactive approach. This isn't going to be done in a few weeks for the Leafs. This, they are going to have to be trying to improve this team from the moment they were eliminated, which it seems they've done, until the moment that they start training camp again in the fall. And I think we're going to see a lot of other moves. Kyle Dubas alluded to that in his press conference that he just wrapped up. Uh, that's why we've waited to this point to get this done because there were some key nuggets and, and I'll, I'll try to pass them as long, along as much as I can uh, during our conversation here. But let's break down the return. I guess then we'll get into what the Leafs give, gave up. But I think we should start with the 15th overall pick. Now, I'm not a draft expert. I'm not going to begin to pretend that I know what's going to happen in the middle of the first round. Um, but it is pretty important, it seems, that the Leafs have this pick. It is valuable in the sense that it's a deep draft. All experts say that it's a deep draft. But it also gives them a chip to play, whether that's mm -hmm. what they need to use in order to improve their team, be it in a, a defenseman or someone that can provide a different dynamic on the third or fourth line. I doubt it will be trading a 15th overall pick for someone that's going to fill out the bottom six, but at least gives them every opportunity to sort of, it gives them more chips to play when we get down to it. But there is one name that I, I sort of look at there, mm -hmm. and I don't think they're going to get there, but the Askarov, the goaltender from Russia, yes. who was supposed to be the next really great goaltender, I don't think he's going to get to 15, but in the event that he gets to Ooh. 15, wouldn't that be exactly what the Maple Leafs need to add to their organization, an up-and-coming netminder that could potentially be the next Carter Hart uh, or you know, maybe Spencer Knight if he gets there? Yeah, Shostyurkin. Uh, Sorokin, what, Samsonov, one of these guys, Russia, got some good gold. Yeah, players, but, but to add a guy who could be actually be like a mega prospect at that position, I can't remember the last time the Leafs had that. And I think that would be the perfect fit, although it seems that he's going to be a goaltender that goes below, uh, below 15, mm -hmm. even though traditionally uh, goaltenders don't go in that lottery position. But again, I think that it just opens up so many possibilities for them where they can use it to improve their team immediately, or they can just draft a good player at 15. We didn't expect the Leafs to be making draft selections at that high. So uh, it's, it certainly makes the draft more interesting and gives Kyle Dubas something that he can sink his teeth into and use uh, to improve this team. Well, if there's any, like Kyle Dubas is, I remember standing in a scrum and listening to Kyle Dubas talk and call and say, everyone looks at me as the trade down guy. I'm not the trade down guy. And at the same time, he like he he's traded down in the first round every year that he's been the general manager and it's worked out pretty well or not every year but with sandin or sandine specifically that's what that's what he got he loves to do that he loves the asset management and this draft maybe more than any others just how deep it is the 15th pick is alluring clearly um this gives him a better chance to trade down than i think any other draft and you can really you could essentially get two players from of around the same quality that you would with, with the 15th overall pick just for, for that one pick. Like it's this, this gives him what it, the thing is, is that Dubas is great when he's working with options and this gives him options. It gives him, it gives him space and it gives him options to work. And I was really intrigued by how he, he was essentially how he was talking about. It gives us 
he gives us space and there's reports that essentially the Leafs are, are essential are, are trying to keep uh, keep enough flexibility in mind so if the economic um, if the economic field and the economic uncertainty of the league causes free agents to maybe opt for, opt for a different decision making process when they're choosing their new teams maybe short term deals maybe less uh, less term that the Leafs can maybe hop in on that and that this trade gives them exactly that and the 15th overall pick yes is the most intriguing part part of it but i think uh hollander as well in terms of a piece that they're getting back he is i'm really really high on him a lot of draft uh a, a lot of draft analysts are really high on him i've been doing a lot of research on him since we last talked and uh scott wheeler for example because he went 58th overall in 2018 um and scott wheeler had him ranked 26 at the end of the day and this does scream to me like a Nick Robertson, like a guy who was ranked to be at the bottom of the first round by a lot of people who are really knowledgeable on this stuff. And, and for some, for whatever reason, he didn't. And he also produced, um, not to go on in on Hollander too much, but he's a, he's no, a, go, go. I, I have nothing to add on Hollander. So it's all he's, you. Okay, good. Cause he's, cause he's been, he's a, the, the piece of most in, um, intrigue for me because he, he's probably other, unless Rodriguez, you know, uh, opts to stick around with the Leafs, which he probably won't. Um, we'll get into that, I guess. But he's the piece who will probably hit the NHL ice quicker than, than any other. And he broke his leg at the start of the season, and he still managed to, to score at a half point per game pace in the SHL against grown men. There's just a lot of really good things with him. And, and his scouting report is essentially that he excels in the forecheck. He's a skilled guy. He passes the puck just as well as he shoots the puck. And he's a, a strong two-way game. Who can, he can either run a third line, be a good facilitator on a second line or be essentially like a fourth line God. And isn't that exactly what the Leafs need right now? Like, isn't that exactly the type of player, you know, uh, archetype that they need in the moment, a, a guy who can essentially drive play wherever he, wherever he needs to in the lineup and, and uh, has some, some grit to him, some defensive responsibility. And it's not just geared towards one way. I, I I'm very high on this guy. And I think that getting him and the 15th overall pick that can turn into whatever you want it to turn into. You can turn it into a great prospect. You can turn it into two, you know, mid-20s um, of the first-round prospect. You can turn it into whatever you want. I think it just gives them options. That, and giving a guy like Dubas, a creative uh, general manager like Dubas, options, it, it's great. So, yeah, maximizing a guy in Kapanen who was a third liner, um, it seemed like, who was below replacement level in those four NHL seasons, who, you know, essentially brought one thing to the table and didn't even really know how to use that one thing really properly in terms of his speed. This is, this is just a home run. I was sure you were going to say creative genius there, but you I almost did slipped manner. up a little bit. Yeah. I, I was like, yeah, we're all the way back on doing this after, <laughs> no, after a rough year. He's, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I know. This is a great first step, but he's got it. Like you said, we're not done. He's got to make some more. It's certainly, I mean, you like Hollander, you're, you're liking what you're reading on Hollander mm -hmm. and Kyle Dubas certainly likes Hollander as well. He's, he mentioned sort of his process in 2018 when they came away with Rasmus Sandin and ultimately took Sean Dursey over uh, Philip Hollander, who they were targeting in that second round as well. Uh, so this is a guy that they've tracked and, and they've, they clearly like his development. They're not afraid of the fact that he suffered a pretty bad, bad injury this year and they have hopes that he can step in eventually. And you mentioned that's exactly what they need. I don't think he's going to be there yet to, no. you know, to, to play a major role uh, in what is a big season. Obviously, they need guys that are going to play major roles now. Uh, but I like how you mentioned about trading back right off the top there, because I think one thing that Dubas acknowledged in this trade is that 
the prospect system isn't very good here. No, it's not. It's, it's been bled dry in, in, you know, the last few years uh, with the concessions that have had to be made with the, with the, uh, the attempts to get good fast, to get capable bodies around what was a core that was expedited by the, the addition of John Tavares. So I think, yes, it's possible that you, you turn one quality prospect into two uh, with a trade down. I also think it, I, I do think that with the quality of names up at the top of this draft board, uh, that a guy that this organization probably is really going to like is going to be available at 15. And I do think that will be alluring to them uh, that they might go quality over quantity per, perhaps. Uh, but you never know how this is going to play out. He also said that he's open to dealing the, the pick if the right situation comes about. So again, it, it, back to my, my previous point is that they have like, they have the ability now uh, to they have the creativity, they have the flexibility, they have the ability now to make pretty much any move that comes available. Yeah, sure, there's things that aren't going to be within their capabilities, but now it opens up things a lot more because they have more chips to play. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, you know, just Dubis is a general manager who is creative, not a creative genius. He's creative, and I think bordering the, on genius. Well, oh, we'll see. But giving him options, get, I mean, this trade, I mean, it's, it's helping his case in that regard. I can't believe, I can't believe it. And they made us wait for the return too. That's, that was, that's what, what really helped the drama. Like refreshing Twitter, it was crazy. I've never seen more fake accounts in my entire life than in the 20 minutes that went from Freeja's report to the actual return. Um, but yeah, Dubas likes like giving him options, giving him ammo to work, I think is exactly what he needs. He's been pretty, pretty handcuffed, I think, um, as at least GM, just in terms of the cap and, and the, the actual assets he's had to work with. I mean, he wasn't really left a lot uh, to, to actually do. Um, he's, he had to kind of strip things away a lot because of what Lou did. And now he, now, now he has options. Now he can, like you said, he could trade this pick. He could trade back. He can select a guy of great quality. I, I, I'm not sure about you, but I've been looking at the guys who could be around that, that mark. And I think that, I honestly think that even trading back would be the best option for him. If he can get like, you know, the 27th and maybe 23rd or something for the 15th or something like that, because there's a lot more, at least from the way that scouts and, you know, or scouts and analysts are, are putting it, there's a lot more defensemen and, you know, in the back of the draft, that could still be quality. Either way, it doesn't matter. He, he now is able to use this the way he wants to. And for the first time, I think in his tenure, he has space. He has the ability to, to still mold, like he's been able to mold the team in his image, but now he's able to really kind of double and triple down on that. And, and he has, he has a, a, like a silver bullet here that he hasn't had before. So I'm really excited to see what he does with this. I like how you mentioned that uh, we were waiting for the return because it's not often that a team can talk to seven other teams about the possibility of trading a player and that it doesn't get leaked at all. We had no real, we had no real idea that Casper Kapanen was being shopped when clearly he was being shopped here. Mm -hmm. So uh, the fact that he was able to do things in silence is also, I don't know if it's an encouraging sign. I don't know if it really matters. Uh, but the fact that people aren't going to be meddling in his process, if he can continue on with this this summer, when everything's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of balls in the air. It's probably pretty important that he keeps things at least as tight, mm -hmm. as tight to the best as possible. Uh, let's get to Rodriguez. Um, yes. He's, he's sort of the only warm body in terms of, well, I guess Warsawski is as well. But Kyle Dubas spoke and he, met, and he mentioned uh, Hollander and he mentioned obviously the first round pick and he mentioned Rodriguez. Uh, it's a guy they're going to talk to. Uh, I believe he's UFA or RFA. Oh, he's okay. a guy that's, that definitely needs a contract. So uh, they're going to be, they're, they're open at least to having him in the fold. I don't know too much about Evan Rodriguez. He seems like a, a pretty limited guy in terms of, you know, the, the skill 
that he would that he would bring to the table. But maybe that's not necessarily something they need. Maybe he is a guy that can push a Gauthier or an Engvall in that fourth line role. Maybe he is a guy that has some value. Uh, to the Leafs in this trade. Uh, do you have anything, do you have any insight on what Rodriguez could potentially bring? Well, the thing about Rodriguez is he's like, he's fine. He's a, he's, he's not going to hurt you. He's a good bottom six kind of contributor. Um, his, his underlying numbers just sp- expectedly spiked when he went from uh, Buffalo to, to Pittsburgh in the middle of the season. He played yeah. seven games, obviously, but still. Um, he had 10 points in 45 games last year. He's only really played over, over I think, 50 in one, which is not 18, 19. And he had, I think, 29 points. So that, that seems to be his kind of ceiling is, is the mm. high 20s. He's not going to really move the needle, but he's also never started more than, um, than I think it's 51.5% of his shifts in the, or less than 51.5% of his shifts in the defensive zone. He's always, he always gets a lot of defensive zone starts and he's hovered around the 50%, you know, Corsi four, like uh, around that kind of marker. So he's able to dr- at least drive the player, break even drive the play, despite you know, starting in his own zone a lot. So that's pretty good for a bottom six guy. You want that. Um, at the same time, everything needs to be qualified in that he, he, what he brings is not worth $2 million. Like it's, uh, it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like he, yeah. And, and that will be, cause he gets his qualifying offer will be his base salary from last season, which was $2 million. So if the Leafs do, here's what I was thinking too. Even if the Leafs just let him walk, they already won this trade. It doesn't matter. He's, he, his, like his his actual you know value to the Leafs, anything that that Rodriguez bring, gives the Leafs positively, that's just gravy at this point. They got a first round pick, and I think Pittsburgh's number two remaining prospect for for Casper Kapan, who's a third line winger, who's probably maybe reached his peak. I think in terms of what he can do, maybe he's got a little bit more. I don't know, but that's that's remarkable. So Evan Rodriguez, what happens to him? Yes, he could maybe help the Leafs. He's you know, he's 27, so he's not super old. He's, he's got some decent size on him. That's fine. But what, at the end of the day, this is not something that if I was Dubas, I'd be losing sleep over. Like, it's, 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 it's not really that big of a deal. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned, you know, you acquire someone in a trade and then mm-hmm. you move on from him right away. I would like to see that if that's the right move. If Obviously, that ever Cody, happens. Cody Cece was brought in and, and the option seemed like, you know, there was, pro- there was probably an unwritten agreement where we're going to sign Cody Cece to a, to a contract here for this trade to all go through. Um, but the fact that you can acquire someone just because they needed to get rid of that money or they didn't need, they didn't want to go to arbitration with him or what, or what have you, whatever the situation is, I'd like the Leafs to be able to move on from that player if he indeed is not going to bring value at $2 million. And if the, qual- the qualifying offer needs to be around there, I just don't think they could pay a guy of that quality no, or of that pedigree, $2 million. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to, with Rodriguez, uh, but it seems as though Dubas is going to at least have that conversation uh, with him. Uh, let's go to what the Leafs traded. Well, obviously, you know, Kapanen is the major guy. Do you want to start with him or do you want to, do you want to give me a little insight on Jesper Lindgren? Uh, and we can get into Auberg or do you want to, do we want to do the eulogy for Kapanen after and we can roll all that up? Let's let's save the piece de resistance for last, I think, because that's that's what brings the people back wanting more. Okay, so give me give me a little bit of a rundown on Lindgren if you can. You know what? He's very unspectacular. Like I, I had a lot higher hopes for him. Um, I only saw him a bit uh, when I was covering the Marlies because he didn't really come over full time um, until last season. His first play as a Marley was a, and I know this doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but his first ever play as a Marley was a horrendous. Uh, turnover that 
in Belleville that just was like, everyone was like, oh, he's coming over. This is going to be great. He won a championship in, in, uh, when he was playing in Finland. He's 22. He's right shot D. This will be interesting. And then the first thing he did was just a horrendous turnover that resulted in a goal right away. So that was a little rough. Hey, first impressions are a thing. Exactly. And I think a big reason why Timothy Lilgren is looked at the way he is is because he had a terrible first impression in rookie camp. Totally besides the point. Lindgren, he's, um, look, he, he should be better than what he is. Because a lot of people can say, oh, he's a 23-year-old 20, defense prospect. They, they, you know, they mature in different ways, whatever. But he's been playing against grown men in, in, um, in the SHL and I believe in the SHL and in Liga. I think it's mainly Liga. Um, since he was 18. Like, he, he should have a leg up on, on people of his, of his pedigree, people of his caliber, his cohorts in, in the pipeline. He should have a, a leg up on them by playing against grown men in professional hockey. And he just didn't differentiate himself kind of at all. He didn't, like, he, he was very mediocre for the Marlies last season. He had nine points in 31 games. He got some decent usage before Sheldon Keith uh, went up. They, they tried to make him something. And he didn't really do anything. He's just a very unspectacular player. Maybe he'll be the next, you know, defensive Mark Donk for them. Who knows? But at the end of the day, he wasn't going to sniff the Leafs, even in an organization that is desperately thirsting for, for right-shot defensemen. Um, he just didn't really move the needle in any direction. And the fact that he was basically an afterthought in, in the Leafs pipeline, as given how thin it is, um, was, was pretty telling. So he just, he just seems like a name that, needs to be coming back the other way. Like he just seems like a contract spot or something for, for Pittsburgh to even out because it, he's, he's essentially filler. Same with Auburn, who is, he's not going to play for the Penguins. He's signed in the KHL for next year. He's just a pending RFA. So it, they're just essentially trading for his rights. So it, mm -hmm. it, both of these, it, Kapanen, Kapanen's the main draw here, and he's probably the guy who's going to actually play games for them. Um, so yeah, uh, Lindgren and Auburn as well, both, Really, they really don't move the needle in any direction, which makes this trade even worse for Pittsburgh. Uh, yeah, simply inconsequential. I mean, yeah. if, if, that, if that's the complete read from you on Lindgren, uh, I mean, I can't say anything more about Auberg. I mean, Auberg did get a chance to have uh, a couple reps at the NHL level this year. On I, the first it's, line. It's escaping me who went down and, and why that came to fruition, but uh, he certainly got an opportunity and there just wasn't anything there. I, I think this is a guy that has the ability to score at the minor league level uh, and overseas, but it's probably just not going to happen as many people expected. Uh, it would when he looked like a promising prospect in Nashville. I believe he was in Nashville when he was, yes. when certainly uh, it was it, at least every, it, people were high on him at that point, mm -hmm. went to Edmonton, believe he went to Minnesota and just nothing really happened uh, over a couple stops. So you feel like that's a pretty safe bet that he was leaving already, uh, but that he's not going to really uh, be a loss of any kind because he's not even with the organization anymore. They basically traded someone uh, who's already moved on. So you're right. It's all about Kapanen. So what are the least losing in Kapanen? Uh, losing a guy with plus speed, uh, mm -hmm. speed at the very top of the NHL, speed without carrying the puck at the very top of the NHL because it doesn't translate as much when he is carrying the mm -hmm. puck. He's definitely not as much of a dangerous player when he is. He does a little penalty killing. But I think what happened, and I asked Kyle Dubas this, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier about sort of the ceiling. Yes. Uh, have, they, have they figured out who he is? And I asked Dubas directly, did you – have you uncovered the ceiling on, on Casper uh, Kapanen? And is the, the, the development that he's taken or the stalled development play into the fact that that's the reason why he was traded? Maybe and he said, no, 
He said no. It was just the fact that they were, you know, trading from a position of strength with two other guys that are sort of roadblocking him on the right side with Nylander and Marner, which makes you think that Nylander and Marner are certainly safe for now. Mm-hmm. Um, but while I think he's not, yeah, I mean, he's not going to throw Kapanen under the bus on the way out and sort of, uh, you know, sort of criticize, I guess, yeah. Jim Rutherford's spot in this. He's not going to do that. But I believe that they did find yes. a ceiling on Kapanen. I think that this is a player that had his opportunities. He had opportunities in the, in the top six at the start of this year and failed spectacularly in those opportunities. He is very clearly a third-line center with the Maple Leafs now. If you're playing center? with Evgeny Malkin, third-line winger, sorry, a third-line winger with the with the Maple Leafs, and he might have a better chance to play up in the lineup with Crosby and Malkin, and maybe he's in a better spot to do so. But you, you, you knew what he was with this team. As long as Marner and Nylander are around, he was always going to be there and he was always going to be overpaid in that position. And he was not able to do anything else. He's a guy that had some issues with the, with the, the organization, some, yeah. some troubles in the past. Sheldon Keefe, I believe, benched him for a game this year. Oh, yeah. that he, this he, year? Got, he got suspended. He got suspended for a game for by Sheldon Keefe. A noon practice. Exactly. Very early on Which in, is Keefe's, hard to in do. Keefe's tenure. I don't think Keefe and, and Kapanen have really ever hit it off. So Trade I believe this guy, this is a guy that was always expendable. And once you, once he revealed who he was exactly, which was a clear third line player making too much money, the decision to trade him was pretty simple. Absolutely. You know, I covered him a decent amount on the Marlies, um, especially like my first season was the season he got called up. So I covered him for the first half of the year. And he was someone that clearly believed that he was, at least is the vibe that I got. He was someone that clearly believed that he was deserving of a shot in the NHL and he was above where he was. And I think we kind of found out that, yes, he's an NHL player. He's a good third liner, but he's not the superstar. Not, he's never going to be a superstar, but he's not the, you know, the top six guy that a lot of people thought he was going to be. Um, and he, yes, you know, the Leafs, we have to keep in mind, the Leafs are losing one of their top penalty killers in Kaepernick. Like that opens up a spot. Someone's got to take that now, you know, and, and no matter what happens, uh, like I said before, when, when we were kind of debating this, no matter who they get back for Kapanen, without Kapanen on their on their line on their roster, their roster is slower. So, yeah. again, that's fine. But Kapanen is someone who he has these gifts, but he no, has no idea how to use them. You know, he he's got this incredible speed, but he knows how to do one thing, and that is streak down the wing with with all with the speed of Zeus. I don't know who the god of speed is, but the the speed of I'm not yeah. going to be able to help you on that one. Yeah, sorry. Really was hoping that my co-host would throw me a line there, but ah, tough. Um, Dominic no, Toretto? Dominic <laughs> Toretto? Yes. He doesn't okay. have friends. He's got family, and he lives his life a quarter mile at a time. Um, I've only seen one of those eight, so <laughs> you, got the, you got the remaining seven. I, they're my favorite. But anyway, um, yeah, he was, he was Dominic Toretto speeding down the wing, but, it was, but he, once he got there, he had, nothing, he had no idea what to do. Um, he got one of the best – uh, promotions or the best, uh, I guess, cushy job packages that anyone in the league could get, which was you get to play wing, you get to play, you know, a uh, shot, you get to ride shotgun with John Tavares and Mitch Marr. And he not only did he, was he not able to do that properly, he made them worse. And so there are a lot, the, yeah. converse, the conversation around, around this is I can't wait to see Kaplan score 40 goals on Crosby's wing. Can't wait to see Kaplan score 40 goals on Malkin's wing. He's already played with two superstar centers before he's already played with two guys who are essentially the, I would say Matthews is pretty close to who Malkin is and Crosby's pretty close to who Tavares is. Yes. There's, there's 
like they're both better i'd say i'd say matthew's better than malcolm at this point but like they're they're pretty they're pretty applicable when it comes to skill sets and Kapanen did not only like failed to gain chemistry with them like he looked bad next to them matthews didn't want to play with Kapanen. He, he specifically requested that like that's a report that came out when babcock was still around so uh, he's if you're thinking that they're getting someone here in Kapanen who, uh, at least Pittsburgh, if you think you're getting someone in Kapanen who is going to become this next guy who can ride, this next Matt Molson, you know, this guy who can ride shotgun with a superstar, and that's not him. Like, he's, he's, he's going to be a good third line, speedy guy who could potentially help put together, you know, an HBK line like, they, like Pittsburgh had in their heyday. Like, he could be a Kessel who, you know, j- you know jives mm. much better on a third line with less, you know, I guess less expectation. Maybe maybe Haglin. Maybe Haglin. Maybe Haglin. Yes, ha- that's a much better uh, comparison right there. But he's not like he, he. If they have dreams of him in the top six, that top six won't really include Cap, um, Crosby or Malkin then because he doesn't play well as superstars. So he was he was good for what he was in Toronto, but the second he signed that contract, he needed to take a step. And not only did he not take a step, he took one backwards this season. And I think that that was the biggest thing. And also, like you said, Dubis is not going to slander. Um, a, the player that he's sending out, or he's not going to slander the general manager they just made the deal with. Um, Cap, he, Kapanen clearly reached his ceiling. He, was, he is at best a third line, uh, third line winger, and you can't pay $3.2 million for that kind of guy. So it just, it, it was time to go, and the fact that they were able to maximize his value this much is pretty impressive. Okay, so uh, Josh Yo of, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, The Athletic? Yes. I think it is. Yeah, yeah. The athletic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he gave us, uh, well, I guess, what he believes the lines could potentially be. So I'll just read it out to you. And, you, and, and you've sort of given your case of what you don't think. You don't think Kapanen can be a viable third-line center. But tell me if this sounds okay to you. Jake Gensel, Sidney Crosby, Kasperi Kapanen, first line. Jason no. Zucker, Evgeny Malkin, Brian Russ, second line. I mean, in terms of name value, that's a good top it six. sounds but great on paper. But yeah, maybe the maybe the pieces just don't mesh the way you know you would hope work. it would look on paper. I immediately saw it and thought, yeah, you know. But maybe that's just because the other five guys, uh, you know, are doing most of that uh, from an appearance standpoint. Yeah, the other five guys sound like a great top six, but maybe Kapanen doesn't last on that top six. Casper um, Kapanen's on your first line. You need to reevaluate your forward. Yeah. No yeah. matter who is his center. It doesn't matter. Sidney Crosby's arguably the best player in the game. But if Casper Kapanen's his winger, you need to get better wingers. Yeah, we shall see. I mean, I'm, not, I'm maybe not quite as pessimistic as you in terms of how well he'll succeed in the top six. Um, but I'll be watching. I'll be watching. It'll be interesting. Well, It'll be have, interesting, have, interesting to see what happens to him. We have, a track Go ahead. Record. we have a track record of him not producing in a top six role. No, it, but not, not every situation is the same, That's right? True. But I don't know. I, I, I think you're probably right, honestly. I think, I think we'll get to a point where we see him in the, in the bottom, bottom six over there. Yeah. But uh, I, you know what? I'm a fan of Casper and Kapanen. I like watching him play. I, I grew to be a fan of him. He obviously had some flaws. Um, but there were parts of his game, especially when he embraced that, that dual threat role where it was speed demon times, you know, uh, gritty sandpaper guy. Yeah, he, he won over me in, in terms of what he was able to do in those moments, just because I think he had maybe the plus attributes that other players didn't. Uh, and he also delivered some great moments with the Leafs. Uh, mm-hmm. He had, uh, he also had some bad moments. He was throwing his stick at uh, Jeff Petrie and completely ruining Michael Hutchinson's uh, chance <laughs> at career? having a decent season. Yeah, that was the downfall for Michael Hutchinson right there. 
but he also scored one of the biggest goals mm-hmm. of this, you know, uh, of this decade. Maybe not one of the biggest goals, but certainly one Ooh, of the biggest moments was that. I mean, the goal against Washington was, you know, that was like. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW. Uh, it's, it, it, in hindsight, it's not the biggest moment ever because it didn't really mean much. But a franchise that I was only just getting back to the Stanley Cup playoffs was expected to be, you know, just handled very easily by Washington. That goal gave him a 2-1 lead, I believe, in that series. And they did lose the next three games. But it was something to actually cheer about and be and, and really get excited about the future of this Leafs team that he was able to score, I believe, his double overtime on that back pass from Brian Boyle. And you mentioned another one, that goal against Boston. Was that game five? That's not even the one that I was in Boston? That's not even one No, but that was, that, that was probably my favorite goal, just yeah. the, the way he scored it. It was so nice. But mm-hmm. what's, what's the other goal? So it's, it, it came a couple games before the, the one in Washington. I was there as a fan, actually. Um, and it was the Leafs had to win a game against Pittsburgh on Hockey Against Night Pittsburgh, Canada. right. And they were yeah. down 3-1 entering the third period. And then I can't remember who scored the 3-2 goal. But Kapanen, in I think it was his ninth, eighth or ninth NHL game, scored the 3-3 tying goal to help the Leafs, like, I guess, inch towards clinching their first playoff spot since I was in grade, uh, or no, since, since 2013. But that didn't really count. Uh, so it was, that, was, that was really, really important. Like, he, he made a he, – he has a way of, of weaving himself into big moments. He was on a stamp in Finland for scoring the um, – the gold medal mm-hmm. clinching overtime goal. So he's, he, he steps up when he, when he needs to at times, but yeah, I, I, this is, this is exactly the kind of player the Leafs needed to get rid of. They had too many of them. Like you said, he was capped even, even from a, a lineup construction standpoint, he was, he was, he was, his ceiling was capped by Nylander and Marner. And he never took advantage of any position that he was put in when either, either those two guys were out or when he played with them. So it just, it didn't work out. Um, he might, he might, you know, he might find a, an incredible spot in Pittsburgh. Who knows? He has great aspects to his game. Like you said, his speed is, he might be the fastest forward in the league other than McDavid. Like it's, it's remarkable, his straightaway speed, but he's very, he's very limited in his skill set as a player. And mm-hmm. I think that the Leafs could, could manage and, and, 
they could afford to give that up. And not only did they give that up, they gained a, a, a king's, I don't want to say a fool's ransom because I don't want to be that mean to, to Jim Rutherford. He's won two Stanley Cups, but a king's ransom is what they got. And that's incredibly remarkable. Certainly. And I think uh, a lot of the excitement about Kapanen, while real at the beginning, has certainly oh, tapered yeah. off. I mean, we mentioned those big, those big goals that he scored Finland. I mean, he was just acquired, I want to say, eight months earlier than that goal was scored. Uh, the goal against Washington, the goal against Pittsburgh, the goal against Washington, like a lot of awesome. moments like, okay, this is yeah. going to be a guy who's going to be a big thing for the Maple Leafs. I mean, the key piece in returning the Phil Kessel deal, a franchise, I don't want to say legend, but the key member of a franchise for many, He's many years. He's on the top 100. He's on the top 100. Yeah. So is James Van Riemsdyk, though. Sure. I wonder if we should do that again. We should try to replace a couple of the names. Anyway, yes. he, uh, th- th- those big moments, uh, they ran out, it seemed. Yeah. There were, there were no more moments. He had opportunities to have a huge impact in the last few series that the Maple Leafs have been involved in. And he frankly did not do anything against Columbus. And he wasn't good enough against Boston, even though one of those goals came against Boston. But he just wasn't good enough uh, in those series, too to validate having what is a luxury at the third line spot. He is a luxury at the third line spot. He's not a good enough. He's not a good enough player to play in the Maple Leafs top six. And for that reason, he became expendable. Exactly. He had, there was, he went, I think it was 19 games of the goal at some point this season. He had a stretch of 23 ga- or 24 games with three goals. Like you can't, that's not acceptable. He was supposed to take a step forward and he regressed. And I think when you do that on top of only, only semi showing the, the sandpaper, that a lot of people were hoping from him. I mean, when Kyle Clifford came in, everyone was like, oh, he's Kyle Clifford's teaching Casper uh, Kappen how to, be, how to be gritty. And he had the opportunity to be like a very effective, like imagine if, if, if he just was kind of an asshole as a player consistently, add that with his speed and some of his skill, he would be great. He would be worth that 3.2 million, but he, that fire just didn't show up consistently enough. And so he became expendable. It, it, not that Tom Wilson is a player that, you know, everybody wants on their team, Tom well, Wilson is. light, Tom Wilson light would have been, yeah, he's a player I want on my team. I guess yeah. I was sort of speaking to other people, but Tom Wilson, maybe not the money he's making, but Tom Wilson is definitely an effective player. And he, he could have been, I think the opportunity, I don't want to say the opportunity was there, but if he could grow into that, where he's that guy who mm-hmm. is, you know, just at least hard on the forecheck, uh, evil a little bit, just annoying to play against a guy that's just always in your face and you always have to know that he's around. Mm-hmm. Plus he had that speed and you know, could, could score 20 goals. I mean, that would obviously be something that you'd want to hold on to. And maybe you would, you would have that guy uh, at that price tag, but maybe he'd be mostly in the third line because you know, he can move up and down the lineup and just be effective wherever, but he never grew into that. Not to say that he has mm-hmm. the same body as Tom Wilson or the same skill set as Tom Wilson or the same ability as Tom Wilson but being something around, being something in that category where you're at least a factor every night, that would have looked good on Kasper Kapanen, but that's just simply not him. Yeah, he, he needed to be consistently hard to play against every night. And there were too many nights where playing against Kasper Kapanen was easy. And I think that, that made yeah. him expendable. That's, that's well put. Um, there's a chance that we're doing this type of podcast all off season long because Mm -hmm. Kyle Dubas said that's probably not going to be it for me. Uh, He's going to be looking to make trades and making deals and improving his roster, which he should, because as we've talked about in recent weeks, it is flawed and it needs work. Uh, There's a lot of holes on the back end. 
there's a lot of holes now. There are holes now up front. There, there are certainly uh, areas that need to be plugged in before this team can even ice a roster. Uh, so it looks like we're going to be doing, uh, we're going to be evaluating what they're doing and who they've brought in for a while now. Mm-hmm. But there's also the opportunity for them to move more players out. And it seems like they are very active in talks involving uh, quite a few players. I don't know exactly what James Myrtle said. I, I don't want to say that, you know, these guys are being actively shot because I don't think it's at that point. Um, but he mentioned four names in particular that are, I don't want to say garnering interest again, because I'm not using his exact words, the most likely. but it, most likely be guys that are being talked about are being moved. Now I'm going to, I'm going to mention all four of the names so we can mm-hmm. sort of run through them. Freddie Anderson, Alex Kerfoot, Andreas Janssen, Pierre Engvall. No surprises here with the no. exception, I guess, of Freddie Anderson to a degree. The other three forwards obviously are guys who probably are, I would say all of them are making a little bit too much money for what they, uh, what they provide. Kerfoot and Janssen stuck in that middle class where yes, they're, they're guys that you loved having at a million dollars. Well, Kerfoot, they didn't have at a million dollars, but certainly with Janssen loved having that guy at an entry level deal, but is he the same player at three and a half? Kerfoot, the same thing. Is he, uh, you know, he might not be Nazim Kadri, but maybe he could still be that three C. But did did he prove that to the Maple Leafs that he had that capability? So obviously, Kerfoot and Janssen are guys that we've talked about before. Engvall, I think they pay, they made the decision to pay, and I believe that he's pro- they maybe regret that a little yeah, bit he because he certainly after. he certainly doesn't seem like the same player that yeah. seemed to be you know earning that contract. But Freddie Anderson, Anderson's that big name, and I, I want to get your take on it because. You know, I'm a little bit too kind, generally, to Freddie Anderson. Um, but is it possible that they find a way to trade Anderson for some, uh, whether it be futures or assets that can help them immediately, and then go out and fix their goaltending issue on the open market? What's what's your your take on Anderson and what the Leafs might be able to do this, this offseason with Anderson? See, it's tough with Anderson because you need to know that you can go out and get someone right after like in the free agent market because you trade Anderson it's likely not a goalie coming back the other way like it'll likely be it's a team that needs goaltending and it might be like a lower tier goalie but no one that you can really plug in at the NHL level so what I what I can see I can see this going one of two ways they trade Anderson and on the on the basis that they want to go out and get one of Markstrom or Leonard because those are the two big names on, on hitting the market and I would be I would be a fan of either of them I think that'd be a great move or you sign one of them anyway and then to a team that missed out on that, you go, hey, here's a nice Frederick Anderson, motivated, annoyed that, he's, that he just yeah. got usurped. Give me your best shot. We got a first for Kapanen. Price is set there for, for Anderson. We, we want more. Um, and I think that he's, he's, a good, he's a good trade ship because his production doesn't really lend himself towards being a top 10 goaltender, but a lot of people in league circles think of him as a top 10 goaltender. And very rarely do those guys actually hit the trade market. So I think keeping Anderson um, would be good too, because I think he'd be really motivated to, to earn himself some money. And I think getting a full season of that tandem with him and Jack Campbell would be great. They seem to work really well together from a personality standpoint. Um, but also I would love to see a Robin Leonard or, or a Jacob Markstrom in Leafs blue. And if you can do that and also get, you know, assets in return for what is then a surplus piece on your roster in Anderson, then you do that too. Um, I think no matter what happens here, Anderson is going to feel slighted because, you know, we saw Marc-Andre Fleury lose his mind over getting, you know, usurped by, by Robin Leonard. Anderson has been, you know, the backbone of the Leafs team for a very long time. And he's performed very well for them, but not good enough. And if you can get someone who's good enough, you need to, to do that swap 
And this is what we're talking about. Doing this trade gives the Leafs options. And that, that means options to, to with, with the pieces they got back for Kapanen and also options in terms of cap space for them to move players that they already have as well. So I, I think we're going to be doing, maybe not with Anderson, but I think we're going to be doing another one of these podcasts in the short term because it'll be, uh, he seems to be getting the trade juices flowing and he's, he's ready to pull the trigger on another one. In a perfect world, you'd be able to maintain, not that they've had top 10 goaltending, but I think, I think around the top 10 is where Anderson is sort of at his best. Like if you're getting the best version of Anderson, you're in that like close to top 10 range. Mm -hmm. If you can, the best case scenario would be maintaining that, Mm -hmm. but also being able to trade your current goalie for a package of picks and prospects, right? Mm -hmm. Or a guy that can help you out, right? The problem is the goaltending market is almost too good. It's too plentiful. Mm-hmm. Like if you're, you'd have to be so, you, there would have to be some tampering going on. You'd have to know who you're getting. Yes, you'd exactly. have to know that you're going to get Robin Leonard. That's what I'm saying. October 15th or whatever it is. You'd have to know that he's coming to you and you'd have to know that team X wants Freddie Anderson and is going to sign him long-term. That's the only way that this happens, I believe. You you did you bring up a good point though, and something that I didn't think about is that you go out and sign him in the first place. But you do, I think, lose a little bit of leverage if you sign that player and say, "Well, we have to get rid of Freddie Anderson here, so who wants him?" I think that's probably the worst, the easiest way to sell low on easiest Freddie way Anderson. to screw yourself that, too. That's not that's not yeah, it is, and it's not necessarily the worst thing because I think they'd find a suitor. I mean, someone who wants mm-hmm. Leonard or someone who wants Markstrom or someone who wants Flurry will you know gravitate to Anderson probably but it's probably not the best way to, mm-hmm. to, to, to sell your asset. So I do think it's going to take some, Kyle Dubas, we might be calling him creative genius as he's, <laughs> if he's able to like get Robin Leonard or Jacob Markstrom in and then find a way to deal Freddie Anderson for his actual current value. That would be pretty impressive. But again, the best way to go about this offseason or the ideal scenario is would, would be to just either maintain or slightly improve on your goaltending and then get another package of picks and prospects. And that might be out there. It might be a possibility. And it might even safeguard you from losing that goaltender for nothing in the yeah. offseason next year. So it, 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 that's why Freddie Anderson is going to be involved. His name is going to be kicked around this summer because that opportunity is there, because that situation is there, and because there are actually a lot of goaltenders on the open market. There are teams that need them but there might be the goaltender out there that that is willing to come and might be willing to come so early and and so early they're willing to commit that you're able to actually move Freddie Anderson as well. So it's going to be really interesting what happens with Freddie, even though I really do want to see him in a full season with Jack Mm -hmm. Campbell. Yeah. I mean, if Robin Leonard was in the Eastern bubble, I think there might be a lot better chance of tampering going on. Um, Oh yeah. That would be great. Secret breakfast, 5.30 AM. Room service. Dubis and Leonard just hiding in the corner of the continental, whatever it is. It, you know, exchanging notes through room service, you know, in the middle of the night. That'd exactly. Be Late um, night house calls. That, oh. No, don't, no, don't uh, say that. We, we can go, we can go in a different Ashley day. can edit that one out. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Actually, no, you can leave. no, keep it in. Keep it in. It'll be fine. Um, yeah, I think that, I think that either way this goes, it'll, it'll be really interesting. But um, yeah, all at the same time, Casper Kaplan just went for a first round pick, uh, a mid first round pick and a, a very good prospect. We don't know what the trade value is for anyone right now. General managers are crazy, especially scorned general managers like Jim Rutherford. So mm-hmm. there could be a team whose goaltending was their Achilles heel this year. And they, were, they went, we need to shore it up. 
desperately. We'll do anything. And they miss out on Leonard. They miss out on Markstrom. You know, Flurry is too rich for them or something. Well, how about a, a freshly motivated Frederick Anderson? I think he, he'll be a good, like, fallback option for a lot of teams that need goaltenders. Because there's only, like, yes, the goaltending market is great. But the two, like, the two top of the line, you know, marquee names, there's only two teams they can go to, right? So there will be a lot of guys, a lot of, a lot of hungry, hungry mouths to feed after that. And I think that Anderson could, could be a, a great fit for that. You're right. There are more teams than Leonard and Markstrom together can satisfy. Exactly. There, there's Carolina. There, Vegas is going to have to be involved, likely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leafs are obviously, well, maybe you're going to be involved. What was the other team I'm missing here? Calgary might be involved. Edmonton Calgary, might be Edmonton, involved. Yeah. There, there's quite a few teams that are going to be, uh, they're going to be poking around and, and, mm-hmm. and looking for one of these guys to hopefully change their fortunes. Uh, I mentioned the other four, the other three guys, Kerfoot, Engvall, Janssen. Do you, do you have anything to really to add on those guys? I mean, we kind of know what we're dealing yeah. with, with Kerfoot and Janssen. Uh, I think the trade for uh, involving Kapanen might increase their ability, their likelihood of staying just because we always talked about, well, one of these guys has to go. Now one of them has gone. So maybe that means that they have a little bit longer of a leash, but I also feel like uh, they're not just going to sit there and overpay guys. If yeah. Kerfoot and Janssen are just not worth the money, I think they're going to find a way to get rid of them and get who they deem more worthy of that position and the money that needs to be spent in and to replace them. So I would be surprised, actually, if one of those two guys isn't moved. Yeah, I think you keep Kerfoot. I think just the fact that he can play center for the – I mean, if, if he actually – okay, he, he broke his dental and facial bones at the start of the season. He was drinking through a straw through most, uh, most of the start of, of you know, that recovery – and he lost a lot of weight that he admitted was tough to gain back in the middle of the season. You give him a lengthy offseason, the ability to come back and really prove if he can win, if he can win that 3C job. And if he's a serviceable third-line center for $3.5 million locked in for the next, I think it's three years after this one, then that's fine. That's, that's a perfectly good, good asset that you have. The fact that he can play center gives him such a, such a bigger um, sense of value to what the Leafs need then a Janssen, because Engvall can play center in a pinch too, then a Janssen who's just very one-dimensional as a winger. He's a good two-way player, I guess, but it, as just in terms of p- positional versatility, that's what, that's what he gives you. And for his price tag and his injury history, because we have to keep that in, into account too, he's never been able to stay healthy in a full season. He's always getting injured. He, always, he plays bigger than what he is. And if he's going to be injured all the time, you can't afford to have a guy who's making that much money who's as limited in, in his versatility in your in potentially your top six or in your third line so it uh it, i think that he can i think that nick robertson essentially can replace whatever production um Johnson could give you even in his rookie season and kerfoot with with the ability to play center i think he's someone you keep he's you, you he's got more term and you know he he's got that versatility he could possibly play on a penalty kill at that there's now a role that's opened up there I think he just gives you more. So the, the person who I think we're going to be doing a new emergency podcast with soon is going to be Janssen. Cause I think he, I think he played his last game when, uh, against Columbus. That one game five, the, uh, the most important game of the season, oh, good for him. six months, six months off and straight into the lineup. We can save that for the, uh, yes. the potential eulogy on Janssen. Uh, so while, while we do have, you know, less assurances on Kerfoot, mm-hmm. Anderson, Engvall and Janssen, uh, I just think it's worth pointing out that that Dubas 
mentioned Mikheyev and Barry or and Dermot, not Barry. Yeah. Dermot and Mikheyev as guys that he didn't think they'd have any issue signing this offseason. Right. Both of them are RFAs. Mikheyev is an RFA and Dermot, Dermot obviously is just completing his three-year entry-level term. So it seems like those two guys are coming back for sure. And we'll wait to see what happens with the remainder of the roster. But we think it's mm-hmm. going to be a, a, a offseason full of eulogies on Live Laugh Leafs because there, it looks like there's going to be a ton of action. And uh, I, for one, look forward to it. And I'm glad that he's getting a head start, even though we were okay with our attention being on the current task at hand, which is covering the Stanley Cup playoffs. But you throw in a Leafs trade, it's always interesting. It's always worth discussing. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to add before we officially bid, where, bid farewell to Casperi Kapanen? Just, uh, I, think, I think it's as good of a fit as he could have found in Pittsburgh. I think this, the surroundings are familiar to him. They clearly like him. They drafted him, and they then reacquired him. I think he'll get a chance. Um, whether or not he takes advantage of that chance, it's up to him. Because he didn't in Toronto. Hopefully this is a kick in the butt. And he, uh, this, this propels him to a much more professional uh, side of his career. And he can hit that potential that everyone thought he, he did. But at the end of the day, that's very, uh, I don't know. It, it, we'll, we'll have to see. And thank God, Jack Johnson. Thank God the metrics of Jack oh. Johnson didn't, oh. didn't, uh, didn't you know, twist Dubas's arm and, and make sure that they brought in what is clearly a highly limited defenseman who... Well, you uh, saw the David Pagnotta tweet. Yeah, well, I, I also saw, you know, rumblings about Matt Murray and Matt Murray and Jack Campbell mm-hmm. being a former... I also saw Brian Rust being included in the deal. Yeah. There was a lot of... There was, there was a, a lot. lot of speculation. It was a complete frenzy. Uh, but now we know what actually happened, and we both agree that it was a good deal for the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they make more deals that are good deals for the Leafs because uh, I don't want to cover another first-round exit, frankly. Yeah. And for that reason alone, it's worth at least cheering for a quality and interesting offseason so they can keep us talking about the Maple Leafs. Exactly. I don't have anything else to add, do you? Well, you have one more thing to say. Go for it. Bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.